Welcome to a bit of an impromptu Inner Circle podcast. Sherelle McMahon with you, of course, as always, and Bianca Chatfield to be what a crazy world we are in right now. We sure are, Shaz. The best thing is that you're a tech guru and you've been able to figure all this out. And now we can sit at home in our isolation (laughs) and staying home and doing the right thing, but we can also do a podcast because there's been so much going on, not just in the world, but also in the netball world. Yes, and we will try and hit the right tone with this because there's no doubt that everyone is trying to navigate, you know, this the, the challenging times, they're uncertain, they're stressful in many different ways for many people. Um, and you're right, I am a bit of an IT nuffy and that is an absolute understatement. So I think you should be very proud of me I know you're very good at IT. I am not, but here we are. Um, because, you know, we, we there was lots of stuff going around and, you know, we just thought, why don't we get the uh, Inner Circle podcast up and running again so we can keep all the netballers informed as up-to-date as much as possible, but connected. And I think that that's one of the really good things. I mean, you know, I can't even imagine doing this, you know, when... I was younger. We certainly didn't have anything like this that we could virtually connect. So, you know, we are in a space where we can, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And I think the main thing that we all feel right now is we we just want to be connected and we want to be able to talk about things and we want to be able to debrief about things. And there's a lot of unknowns and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But one thing that I thought we could do would be interesting is to you know, go to the people that are really at the heart of netball and talk about some of the things that they're dealing with right now. Give our community out there, whether they're on social media or just all of our listeners, an opportunity to hear from a player. And we've got Joe Weston coming on the show today. Um, yes, she's a Diamonds player and a Vixens player, um, but, you know, she's also working with the Players Association too and working out what happens and trying to find some answers from a player's point of view. Uh, and then to go straight to the CEO of Netball Australia, Netball Australia in Marnie Fechner. Um, so we'll have both of them on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to interviewing them. No doubt it's been very stressful times in their lives as well, so we really appreciate them giving up their time um, and, you know, jumping on the technology bandwagon and, and staying wherever they are at home and being able to connect in with us too. Yes, and let's hopefully that all kind of works well. I've got my kids in the background working from home, the challenges that many, many people will be facing. So if you can hear some squeaks and giggling in the background, that's just my kids. So please forgive me for that. But what we do know about the netball season, it has been reasonably recently announced that the season for SSN will be delayed until at least June 30. Um, And that is the absolute earliest that will go ahead. there's potential or even likelihood that really that that won't happen then, that it will be pushed out further than that. Training for all clubs at the SSN level has been suspended until further notice. So all of the athletes are now at home in isolation um, or staying home as much as we possibly can as everyone else is. And that applies not only at the SSN level, but right through uh, all the levels. And I know we have a lot of listeners out there um, that connect with us on, on Twitter and different things like that. And, you know, even stay connected like that because the reality is uh, that this affects not just that elite level of player but all the way through our netball community our sporting community um, you know everyone that that's such a huge part of our lives and not having that and not being able to do that and connect with our mates and our teammates and and in that environment can be really challenging and I think that is going to be one of the big things over the coming weeks as to how we take care of um, and yeah, physical health, because that's kind of been taken away from us, but our mental health too is going to be really crucial. Yeah, it sure is. And I want to ask you, Sherelle, because being an assistant coach at the Vixens, you are right in the heart of Clubland. And can you just take us through the last couple of weeks and how things have played out at Vixens? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's what you know, but how things have played out for you and the players and, and what your kind of what life looks like for you now for the club? Starting probably, you know, a month or so ago, which is when we started to kind of get word from an international perspective that this sort of thing was starting to happen and was likely to come uh, to Australia, we ramped up our um, the hygiene and, and the, some of the little things about how we went around, away, um, at training, how we interacted with each other, making sure we were 
sanitising the way the um, the recovery food was delivered to the girls changed so it wasn't, you know, communal stuff which you sometimes see around sporting clubs. The drink bottles were done differently. So even to that level, that's been happening for quite a while now. Like it's been uh, become much stricter um, than it was. And then, you know, even restricting... Um, the number of people that were coming to training and then we tried to restrict uh, again when those social distancing rules came in. Although we were playing a, con well, semi-contact sport, it's probably a contact sport. Um, so when we're on court, that is one thing, but when we're off court trying to, you know, adhere to those um, recommendations as well. So it was kind of a bit weird, to be honest, um, because, you know, we're trying to do these things in an environment where it was kind of challenging in a way to do that when you're playing a sport where you're, you're kind of right up against each other. But, you know, I think the, the really good thing is that everyone involved just um, stayed connected, stayed engaged. And, you know, we, along with everyone else, were just kind of rolling with the punches depending on, on how it changed on any given day. And I know it's something that none of no, nobody had control over but for you and Simone you know when you hear that the season has been cancelled or you know has been postponed until June 30 um, and we have no idea what's actually going to happen next but when you actually hear that how do you cope and how do you deal with the girls emotions around not having a season when they've done already a long pre-season they're ready to just get out there we know the pre-season cut was cancelled first but you know how do you do that and how do you work with the girls and have those conversations to try and ease all their fears and concerns yeah it's really challenging although I've got to say and, we, and we'll chat more to Joe Weston about this a bit later she'll have the insights about how everyone across the the competition's coping but largely um, everyone's coped really well. You know, they, they, they seem to be very resilient and doing really well with all the changes as they're happening. Um, but, it, you know, I guess it came... Uh, we, we were hoping until as late as late last week that the season would continue, but probably without fans, as some of the other big codes across Australia were doing. And, and that's kind of the advice we were getting, that that was likely to, to be able to happen. So you kind of gear yourself... You, you're ready to use for that and then these new levels come in to make it uh, more difficult to do that and then the decision had to be made that the season was going to be postponed and I guess one of the big challenges with that um, from a coaching perspective and from an athlete preparation perspective is now you know we were aiming for uh, May 2nd start so the first weekend in May and now that's been pushed right back for a couple of months and even possibly before that, beyond that. So that unknown is really tricky when you are trying to prepare elite athletes in particular for that point in time. It really changes um, the, the plans for training, how you taper, how you, what type of training you're doing at a certain time. That's kind of all gone out the window now. Um, the athletes are now at home. Um, they are in, in various ways doing either home programs or just doing a program themselves until we kind of get a little bit more clarity around what it might look like and when we then need to ramp up again to try and get them ready to start a season. So that unknown is, is tricky. And we also um, heard that, um, you know, players can't travel and we have a lot of imports for some Corp Super Netball and so a lot of the imports are in Australia. And am I right that the Jamaican girls have all gone over to Perth and they're all together over in Perth? Yeah, this is something that well, it's actually Shamira Stirring, Katie Ander Haney, Jodie Ann Ward, and keep you know mindful of her. She's only just arrived in Australia to the Magpies, and this has all happened. So, so what a tough thing for her to come into. And they've all gone over to join Janiel Fowler over in Perth, and you know all the states, all the teams that are involved in that have worked really closely together and worked very well to be able to create an environment where those girls. Um, can, you know, just feel a little bit more secure in this really uncertain time. And I, I think a big congratulations to everyone involved in making that happen. They've got um, everything, hopefully, that they need over in Perth, but um, they can feel supported by each other rather than, you know, the girls who li are living in their home state, they go back to their families, whereas 
these athletes who are international travellers don't have that. Um, so that has tried to be aided in that way, I guess. So I, I think that's a really lovely thing um, that they've done. Um, another, I just want to throw in there as well, talking about families. Isn't there a baby boom at Collingwood at the moment? I love this. It's so good. Kim Rav um, has just given birth to her little baby, which is great news. I don't know how many more babies there'll be after this little hiatus at Collingwood. Do you think they've learnt some lessons or not? <laughs> I don't know, but Nat Medhurst is very excited. She obviously won't be playing this season because she is also pregnant. We know April Brownlee has had her baby as well. Braz as well has um, had her little boy, but also uh, Kayla Cullen has stepped aside from the Swifts this season as she is expecting a baby too later on. So I know. What's this break going to do, Sherelle, to everybody? I don't know. Baby boon. It's exciting. I mean, so many things really have happened since we spoke, B. Um, the other one was... The other massive event that has happened in Australia is the bushfire season that we dealt with. And far out doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago. It's hard to believe that was only a couple of months ago when um, I was up at the bushfire game doing some work with Channel 9 and Netball Australia um, when that was held up in Sydney. And it was such a great atmosphere in that stadium. It brought up a few... Uh, new rules that we threw into trial, the two-point shot in particular, um, which I know you're oh, a bit of a fan you're of. You're not a fan of, are you? I'm not a fan of. I'm a traditionalist, although I will say being in the stadium when that five-minute period came at the end of each quarter where the two-point shot was available, there actually was a real lift in the um, atmosphere and the intensity among the crowd. So... Like, I get it. I, I do get it. I get it from the perspective of, of that, but I do worry about how it will fundamentally change the game. I didn't love it. There was a lot of misses. Um, there was a, certainly a change in the way people were operating in the circle. But, look, uh, it's I'm not as big a no as I, I was before that. Well, that's good to hear. And I mean, I must, I love all the conversations and the commentary on Twitter yeah. to do with the two point shot. And there is part of me that loves to stir that up a little bit. As a defender, we think that I, I like that it puts a bit more pressure on the goalers. And I want to ask you honestly if you didn't have a percentage stat at the end of the game, would it concern you as much, the two point shot? Because I feel like a lot of goalers don't want it to come in because they don't want to drop from 85, 90% shooting percentage to potentially 60% because obviously it doesn't look as good. But I think that having that shot in there and just having the ability to have a go can really add and change the dynamic of a game. Yes. I think certainly that that shooting <laughs> stat is something that the goalers think about. Um I don't know, though. I mean, it obviously didn't matter too much with the bushfire game. I mean, stats didn't matter too much um, and the stats were very low, like people were taking those shots. So for me it impacted it because there was just a lot of missed shots. So maybe that would change if we got our heads around it a little bit more. The other worry that I have, and I, I know we're getting into an area that we've probably been in before, but my worry, and this is what happened in the bushfire game, is that it actually doesn't help the team that's not as good, it actually makes the better team better. So what happened in that bushfire game was that the Diamonds, in the last five minutes of the first quarter, blew the All-Stars team away and were leading by, I can't even remember now, over 10 goals. And really, the game was kind almost over before it had started. So that's always been my worry, not just of how it affects the aesthetics on court, but that we're trying to make it easier for teams to maybe catch up but I, I worry that in a lot, in some games or maybe many games, it would actually have the reverse effect and we'd see bigger margins. Yeah, and on that point, I totally understand that and I definitely don't think we should just bring it in to change it up or be, because it looks exciting, it feels exciting. I think there needs to be a whole lot more work done behind it. But one rule that we saw in the bushfire game that is obviously coming in um, to Super Netball, the rolling subs, are you a fan of that one? Oh, definitely. And I, I mean, I said to you, you asked me actually in one of the podcasts last year, what's the one rule I would change? And it was the 
pretend injury rule. It just used to drive me crazy watching these elite athletes having to pretend they had an injury so that an interchange could be made. So um, whether this is exactly the right way, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm certainly open to it. I, I like it. I, I like that there doesn't have to be a break in the play. The change can just be made. And now we know when someone comes off with an injury, they've actually got an injury. They don't have to pretend they've got a sore finger or something. So I, I do like that. I don't, you know, it was used extensively in the bushfire game. I don't think it will be used as much in general play in SSN. Hey, the other thing that happened in that bushfire game, of course, that it was Lisa's Lisa Alexander's final game as coach of the Australian Diamonds. I think that's happened since we've chatted, B. Um, so uh, that announcement was made by Netball Australia that Lisa Alexander would not be getting an extension of her contract. And now we move into um, looking at who the next coach will be. What, what's your thoughts on that whole situation? It was actually a really nice moment, I think, for Lisa to have that that game to, to kind of say farewell in many ways. Yeah, I did like that Netball have that kind of respect and just, you know, transparency with each other that they gave Lisa that opportunity to do that. Um, I, think, I think it is the right time to go and explore who this new coach could be. Um, I think it's really interesting, we'll ask Marnie about it, how that process is going at the moment because obviously things have been halted with something that's much bigger and more important in the world. Um, But with the coaching and who will put their hand up, like for me, when you look at the coaches that are out there, you think, one, you have to have the top level of coaching accreditation to be able to apply for the job. So that actually limits the pool a lot. And I think it's, you have to have your high performance. Is that right, Cheryl? Yes, you do. Yes. Yeah. So that. And there's only so many coaches within Australia that actually have that qualification. But the coaches that we do know have it, Julie Fitzgerald, Simone McInnes, Rosalie Janke, Bryony Aikul, um, is, and there would be a few more, you know, Jane Searle, Jane Woodlands-Thompson, Dan Ryan, <laughs> yes. And so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to apply, but I would love to know the criteria and the panel, if, who's on that coaching panel, if it's already been appointed, um, that will be going through that process with the new coach. And are you putting your hand up, Sherelle? Are you qualified? Do you have that accreditation? Well, apologies to anyone who does have their high-performance coaching accreditation that we didn't mention. I'm certainly not one of them, no. Yeah, I've got uh, quite a bit of work to do before I would ever get to that level. Um, so, But we will wait and see. And as you said, you know, in these Times we'll ask Marnie how um, COVID nineteen and and the implications of that has affected um, all their processes really not not just the selection of the head coach for the Australian team but that is a massive one for them so it'll be interesting to know uh, whether that's actually um, continuing on or whether that'll be on hold as well hey B should we do that should we get into it have you got anything else you want to add before we get into chatting to Marnie no I'm done let's get Marnie on the phone let's get into it guys on the other side of this we'll be chatting to Marnie Fechner the CEO of Netball Australia RSN Podcast, all your favourite RSN shows and loads of new programs. You can listen all download wherever, whenever. And now we're on iHeartRadio, the world's number one radio and podcast app. RSN Podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and at rsn.net.au. And now on iHeartRadio, it's free at your app store or head to iHeart.com. Circle podcast, Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with you, of course, and we're really happy to have uh, a return guest with us, uh, Marnie Fechner, who is the CEO of Netball Australia. Marnie, thank you so much for joining us. I bet you never would have thought that you would be dealing with something like this, or, or actually, I mean, every organisation does a, a risk assessment, don't they? Was this on your risk matrix? No, I, I don't. And hello, ladies. It's lovely to join you back again, um, although under really tough um, circumstances. Uh, no, I probably global pandemic is, is not something that you, you readily have on your risk matrix. But uh, 
here we are um, and dealing with probably one of the biggest health and economic crises that you know the country and arguably the world is has faced um, in in current times anyway. So it's, it's tough, um, and I think you know we we all need to come together and stay together and um, get through this as best we can. Absolutely, Marnie. I'd be really fascinated. I know you've probably had one of the most stressful times um, over the last few weeks and months, and I'd love to be able to give all of our netball community just an insight into, I guess, how, like what information that you're getting from the government and, and what kind of led to the decision that we have to put the season back. Um, and, and you're probably getting information from everywhere at the moment, but is there a particular kind of process that you're going through in, in how you're getting this information from the government? Yeah, it's a really good question, Bianca. And I must um, I say, you know, we are working hand in glove with the government, uh, with our chief medical advisor, Dr. Susan White, uh, when um, the coronavirus or COVID-19 um, really started to take shape, which was really probably only two and a half odd weeks ago, um, three weeks ago, we established a task force and that task force meets um, twice a week, two or three times a week. Um, and that consists of key people across the Netball Australia organisation and Suncorp Super Netball, um, advised by our Chief Medical Officer. We work closely with the other comp sports, so AFL and NRL, tennis, cricket, uh, Rugby Australia and FFA, um, alongside their Chief Medical Officers and then importantly the government. I mean, this is something where we just need to come together. Um, we need to make sure that we're following the government, uh, government's advice. Um, and I think that we're seeing, you know, it, it even becoming increasingly important for us to do that um, as individuals in terms of making sure that we're socially distancing, making sure that we're keeping up great hygiene. If we're unwell, we should be staying at home. Uh, and, and really paying attention because it is serious um, and the virus spread is is continuing at, 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 at a rate of knots, which, you know, is going to really impact our capacity to deliver our sport um, uh, across 2020, which is really tough for everyone. Yeah, money, and it was, you know, I watched obviously with interest the, the process that Netball Australia went through when we were restricted to 500 people and we were talking about being creative in ways that we can continue uh, participating and I really loved the uh, approach that you had and and I think underlying that no doubt was the impact that these sort of uh, moves that we've had to now make not just at the elite level but right through grassroots level the impact that that will have on netball in this country and I'm just wondering if you can give us a little bit of insight if you know kind of what those ramifications might be and, and what not the worst case scenario, but you know, what what are the, some of the things that you're preparing for? Like it's a really it's a great question, Sherelle, and and I think that from a from a community perspective, um, when we were early on in the government's advice, um, there was mixed views um, from the community in terms of um, what we should be doing and how we should be um, flexing and adapting in terms of that government advice. And what we're actually observing was a, a number within our grassroots community was actually saying, you know what, I, I feel really uncomfortable. We're not going to play at the moment. And that was more than fine. Um, what we do know that sport and netball um, is part of the fabric of our community. Um, and an inability to go to netball on a Saturday or on, or on a weeknight and come together with your mates and, and have a game of sport and connect and do something that you love is going to leave a void for our people. Um, and and not only the physical health elements of that void, but the mental health elements of this. And I, I think we're um, in, in doing all of the right things in social distancing. Um, it, it's isolating and we really have wanted to find ways. And we're doing that with our collaboration with NetFit where we keep active and keep talking and seeing. And so I think that there's lots of innovation here. Look, in terms of, um, you know, worst case scenarios, you know, we could be facing um, the situation and, and obviously, you know, we're doing everything that we possibly can to ensure that, that that's not the case. But depending on, on how quickly we can stem the spread of the virus, how, how early governments open up their borders, you know, I'd hate to be in a situation where we didn't see any elite netball um, throughout 2020 because, 
not only is that not great from our fans and the people that love our game, but also our athletes and, and the business of sport that sits around around that. You know, there's a lot of people that um, are having to, uh, organisations across the sporting sector that are having to make really hard decisions around their people. And, and for me, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I want to congratulate... <laughs> you as well on the collaboration with NetFit because I think mm. we that was so proactive and it gives for anyone that hasn't heard of it yet make sure you jump on the Netball Australia website and have a look because it's an absolutely free for everybody community program that not only includes workouts it includes recipes it includes mindset and education around sport and I think it's really important and great that everyone has access to that so if you are sitting there with kids at home and you don't have anything to do then definitely jump online and join in the fun that they have there um on on a it's a bit of a different note but it also obviously things are changing in the landscape of netball Australia but we know obviously Lisa Alexander is no longer the Diamonds coach and I'm sure it's not high on your priority right now but it would be sitting somewhere around the appointment of the new Australian coach. Are you able to give us an insight into um, where that process is at? Has it completely been put on hold? And um, we've just had a few questions on Twitter about that today. So it'd be great to hear where that's all sitting at the moment. Yes. Um, you know, it's been, what a, what a start to the year, hey? We've had bushfires and that fabulous bushfire recovery um, match up in Sydney and, and obviously a really tough decision for the sport and Netball Australia to make around the extension of Lisa's contract. Um, uh, I, I think that you know it was it was so hard. I, I do believe it was the right it was the right decision for the sport to make in looking to the future. And um, Lisa has been such an amazing ambassador for our game, and will continue to be a great ambassador for our game. In terms of where we're up to now, um, uh, where um, expressions of interest are open um, for coaches that are interested um, in the role. Uh, that'll that'll close. Um, and look, we haven't made any decisions yet in terms of slowing the process down, but we're looking at that closing uh, around mid-April. So uh, it, it may be that we extend that a little bit further. Um, the reality of everything else that we're dealing with at the moment in terms of how we need to modify 2020 and the programs we're delivering, um, it, it may be that there, um, depending on, as I said earlier, the borders that... Uh, our international test window might be really difficult for us to deliver. So what does the program, the Diamonds program, need to look like then? Uh, we know in having spoken to um, my counterparts in England and South Africa um, and New Zealand and around the globe that everyone's doing it really tough. Um, governments are changing and making new guidelines and setting new guidelines, you know, almost, on an hour-by-hour hour basis, our lives are changing. So I anticipate that, um, you know, come the second half of this year, moving into quarter three, that um, we'll have completed our coach recruitment process and we'll be excited to announce um, the new Diamonds head coach. Uh, and But obviously, if we're now looking at a, a, a different time slot for Suncorp Super Netball and... Uh, international windows up in the air um, things will need to flex and change and I think that's what we're all learning at the moment every everything we need to live in a world that's very uncertain yeah and and we're, we're flexing and changing in in netball in sport but in in life more broadly but you know we, we are talking about netball here and while some might think uh, you know there there are more important things but the reality is people's livelihoods are, are on the line here Pe- people live um, and work. they work in netball, of course they do. What, what financial impact do you think there will be on, on this delay, first of all, of the SSN or if it was to have a cancellation or for it to impact the international um, calendar? Have you got any ideas around that and how that might, might affect everyone who, who works in netball? Yeah. Look, in terms of the financial impact, you know, it's really significant, I think, uh, in, in just from a perspective of, um, and I had a, a, a chat on um, radio with um, Tracy Combs last week, and we were talking about the fact of that netball has evolved out of this very much membership underpinning, you know, funding up model. Um, the, the fact is now that you know over fifty percent of netball's revenue comes from commercial programs, broadcasts, um, and if we don't have 
access to that because we're not able to deliver our content, then suddenly that's a really significant component of the netball pie, the revenue pie that we don't have. So it is significant. Um, we are um, <laughs> being as creative as we can be in terms of, uh, as uh, you know, I've read um, NRL's plans in terms of heading to Gladstone, so um, which is not an option for them now. But um, how do we actually look at delivering um, our content, even if it's international test series? How do we how do we do this? How can we possibly do this differently, and maybe in more condensed windows or um, other ways? Uh, our desire is because we know our athletes are dying to play. We know our clubs want to put on um, great events for their fans uh, that, and we know that our commercial partners really want to bring this to life in 2020. We've had a, such a fabulous first three years of Suncorp Super Netball and this year we're set to take those next steps up as well. So look, it's, it's extraordinarily disappointing for everyone. It's uncertain. Um, it, it will have a, you know, a, you know, whether catastrophic is in, in, as you said, you know, people's lives are at stake here. So I want to be really mindful of, uh, of that. But in relation to the netball business and the industry, it, it is fairly catastrophic. And Marnie, also just, I mean, you kind of touched on it there. In, um, I know you don't have the specific answers, but in terms of the season and, and where it could go, is it a possibility that it could become a summer sport this year where it might be played over summer? especially out in community areas where we often know the netball courts are free over summer. Is that a possibility all round? Look, I, I don't think that there's anything off the table, Bianca. I know that Chris um, Simmington, who's the CEO of Suncorp Super Netball with the commission um, and his team are really looking at what are all the options and, 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 and so they should be um, and preparing for any scenario. And I think also being prepared if the situation changes for the better and there's an opportunity, how do we mobilise quickly? Um, how do we respond quickly? Uh, we, I know that we're in year one of our four-year high-performance cycle, um, but international competition is critical and prioritising the opportunities for our Diamonds athletes as we lead into uh, the next four-year cycle. We've got Com Games in 2022, a World Youth Cup um, next year, and then um, uh, 2023, uh, World Cup in um, South Africa. So, you know, we've got some, um, as rightly, some um, things that I know from a Diamonds perspective we want to be on the more golden side of um, in, in terms of outcomes for those programs. So international content is going to be important as well, um, as it will be for our England and, and uh, New Zealand and South Africa. So it's a hard balance. So we need to be ready to mobilise really quickly. Um, that's going to take a whole army of, of our family and our netball family to get behind that. Uh, but we will be ready. Well, talking about the netball family, oh, the other little thing before we let you go, Marnie, is I, I've just been thinking about all the kids out there. They, they've stopped playing sport at the moment. Um, I'm wondering what we can do as a netball community, what you're doing, what the plans are, that when the government gives the green light for that junior sport to get back on board, what are we doing to make sure that netball is the choice that these kids are making? Look, I think it's a really good question. And I think the thinking that we're doing at the moment is when, you know, the Netball Nation comes back online, what is that going to look like? How can it evolve um, in the interim? What are we doing? So from, I think we've had around 41,000 registrations in our Net Set Go program uh, already this year. Um, we're not going to be able to deliver that in a traditional way. So what we're doing is mobilising that from term two, all of those kids will be able to participate in their Net Set Go program um, virtually. Um, they'll be able to get their mum and dad, their brothers or their sisters or anyone um, to participate and deliver their netball program, their Net Set Go program. So our young kids are actually going to still be connected. Um, and look, our courts, are, um, our courts are laying empty at the moment, but we know we've got a, an amazing workforce and network of our um, state and territory member organisations, our associations with such an army of volunteers. Uh, that they'll they'll be mobilised and ready to go. And I think the way that we're trying to ensure that our kids have the opportunity to continue their participation in netball, albeit in a very different way, um, is is known. So our collaboration with Netfit to deliver virtual school holiday programs, we've had over 25,000 kids 
sign up. Now, that's probably more kids than we would see in a traditional school holiday program. Isn't that fantastic? So they're the kind of things that we need. That They're the kind of ideas. How do we deliver um, school sport programs virtually for kids that might be um, you know, heading back into a school environment or staying home if they're, if they're not going back into their school environment in term two. So I think a little bit of creativity, making sure that we can utilise our fabulous elite role models to be involved in delivering um, that content and, and bringing it to life. Uh, and then keeping on talking about netball. That's what's going to be important. And and that's what we're trying to do here at the Inner Circle Podcast, Marnie. And it really has been great to get some insight in as to where your heads are at, what the planning is, and how we're trying to navigate this really unknown and uncertain time. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and your staff. I'm sure that there's lots of pressure at the moment. So huge thank you from all of us out here. And thank you for joining us on the Inner Circle Podcast. Keep doing a great job. Well, wonderful, as always, to get an insight into Netball Australia. And at a time like this, leadership is crucially important. And I think that Marnie Fechner is doing a wonderful job with Netball Australia and leading the way as best she can through these uncertain times. Another fantastic leader that we've got on the line now is Jo Weston. She's a star for both the Melbourne Vixens and the Australian Netball Diamonds, but she's also the Vice President of the Australian Netball Players Association. She's Jo Weston. Jo, thanks for joining us. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. Now, Joe, um, you know, we, we spoke earlier about getting the tone of this right. We want to have um, a, a bit of a chat, some fun, but also it's some some serious stuff going on in the world around us as well. So it would be great to get some insight from you from that Players Association perspective. But firstly, how are your first few days of isolation treating you? Um, yes, so... We've been laying low, I guess, since we disbanded as the Vixens a couple of days ago due to the circumstances. And um, I live by myself at the moment. I obviously have my infamous dog, Billy, as my sidekick during these times. But, I mean, yesterday was particularly rough for me. I, um, as many may have seen on my Instagram, I decided to dye the front of my fringe pink. Um, so I'm just about to... Uh, see my mum for the first time so I'm interested as to what her reaction will be but I really like it and it's only temporary so it'll wash out eventually. Joe, I hate to tell you but I saw someone come into my hairdressers with a temporary colour on and they could not bleach that stuff out of her hair but anyway hopefully um, you've got you've got <laughs> half an hour to get that done at hairdressers now. That's true and I potentially don't have to see anyone for a couple of months so by then um hopefully it has washed out but after hearing that Shaz maybe I'm a little bit nervous about the whole situation (laughs) (laughs) Um, Joey can you take us through what it's been like for you as players over the last couple of weeks obviously smaller restrictions were put in place initially and now the self-isolation and only allowed to train at home on your own. You know, what's it been like, not just for you guys, but also just, I guess, the mental pressure and all as individuals? Um, yeah, well, I guess initially we were pretty concerned just about um, personal hygiene, um, et cetera, but it has been a different training environment as um, we've moved from the State Nepal and Hockey Centre to MSAC and with the Victorian Institute of Sport trying to limit crossover between athletes um, and different sports that they have training there. So it has been unusual to that degree, but obviously given the circumstances, it's impossible and also very irresponsible for us to continue team training as is. So all of us are going to be training by ourselves for the time being, which will be a little bit of a a different scenario given we do play in a team sport, but um, I think it all lead to us being a little bit more creative um, in our training. Retired players often speak about the sense of loss around the, the routine and not having that, not having a sense of purpose every day. And I've got no doubt that there are many, many people around at the mo- moment, not, not just you elite athletes, but many people kind of grappling with that loss of routine and what to do with yourself. How are you coping with that? Yeah, it's a little bit unusual not being, you know, getting up really early and going to training because that's normally 
um, our sole focus, especially during pre-season. So I've been trying to set a routine for myself within my own personal circumstances, trying to get up at a consistent time. And for the time being, when we're not on any set training program, I'm just trying to be a little bit more um, experimental, do some more Pilates, do some at-home dance workouts, make it fun for myself. And we've also sort of been video chatting as we're attempting to exercise, which makes us feel like we're connected even though we're apart. And you've started a TikTok account, I see. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, just trying. I mean, uh, so many people have been asking and asking for it, Bianca, you know how it is. Um, <laughs> so I just thought um, if people's spirits are a little bit low, um, why not, you know, take some responsibility and, you know, really uh, give them the content that they deserve and it's poor quality at that. So I wouldn't get your hopes up too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I haven't really signed up to TikTok yet. It's just I don't think I can handle another social media channel. Um, but on a serious note, as your role with the Players Association, um, what are you doing at the moment to keep in contact with all the players? Have you had some meetings? Um, what is the situation from that point of view? Yeah, so I guess the circumstances moved pretty quickly after um, there was a decision made to cancel um, the Team Girls Cup. So um, myself and Kath sit on the competition committee. So we met on Friday to discuss possible options going forward, but with a lot of the restrictions put in place, um, all of those possibilities pretty much were, were mooted in terms of uh, that. So the postponement was really the only possible way forward for us as a competition. So Chris and Marnie and the entire Nepal Australia team have done a phenomenal job in terms of trying to workshop how that goes. Um, we did have a phone hookup with pretty much every single player and training partner from every club on um, Tuesday, yesterday afternoon. Uh, to get, I guess, a more holistic picture. But there's still a lot of moving parts and a lot of things up in the air in terms of contracting. And I guess with um, no clear-cut answer as to what um, the spread of this virus will look like in Australia and what that will look um, in terms of, I guess, being uh, trying to train as an athlete, um, there's still a few unknowns there. So we're just trying to make sure that we have as much communication as possible and that every player is you know getting the, the information they need. Joe, when take us inside that meeting as much as you can what what are the biggest concerns that the players have going forward? Yeah I guess initially because we were still training I think there were quite a few concerns just about general health and well-being obviously everyone's individual circumstances are different but for those who have you know elderly relatives or those who might be in a more compromised position us training um can you know spread the disease quite quickly so there are a few concerns there i mean Mm. for our international group whether they were going to stay in australia or maybe try and get home um because you know borders are closing that makes it pretty difficult and then whether when we resume whether players were going to be allowed back in there was a lot of uncertainty around that and obviously a lot of anxiety for those who aren't close with close to their families and same as interstate athletes. And then, I mean, when we're talking about the competition, we're still hoping to try and make a legitimate competition at some point. But around that, if it's postponed, um, there's going to be a few issues with our contracts because they um, are meant to run until the end of September, which is when the season would have traditionally finished. And um, these are abnormal times. So what it looks like going forward if the competition gets postponed in terms of rolling contracts or what might happen with players' payments or even the international season. Um, There's so much that is changing so rapidly. So um, myself, Nat and Kath, I guess, is the representation for the players. We're making sure we just try and had as many people's concerns covered off as possible and trying to seek as much clarity um, for the players. And in terms of how often will you be connecting in with the larger playing group? Is that something that's scheduled, you know, for once a month, once a week, or are you just kind of playing that by year? It's the um, the first time I've ever been um, involved with something like that um, in my time uh, with the Vixens. So I think it's pretty cool that we're able to 
all get on the phone at once. It probably is helpful that none of us are training at the moment to try and um, coordinate our schedules. So I think going forward, we're going to try and aim for one clear channel um, in communication. We now have a WhatsApp group, which allows more immediate communication than just emails, which sometimes might get uh, lost in people's inboxes. So I think that's how information is going to be dispersed going forward. And if anything, uh, pressing or needs more explanation on behalf of Chris, I think we'll probably look at maybe having another uh, player-wide phone hookup because it was quite successful the first time. And that's the thing. Everyone wants to be connected, don't they? That communication is so, so important. Um, and from a, from a, I guess from a personal perspective, for yourself, what what worries you the most at the moment um, in these kind of unknown times? Oh, I mean, it's kind of hard. I think obviously like health um, of um, the broader population is of a priority for me. I mean, we have so many, um, I sent a few messages around just to um, both Joyce Brown and Mark Calder. Obviously there have been strong figures in the Australian netball scene and uh probably uh, higher at risk. So my concern really lays with people um, who might be more adversely affected than hopefully us healthier people might be in inverted commas. But I guess going forward, uh, you look at the sustainability um, of our competition, um, both us as a playing group have worked so hard with Netball Australia and our broadcast partner Nine and also all of our broader sponsors to get the game to the point it is at now um, where we have um, a proportion of players who are paid um, um, a relatively decent wage to make a living off and also working really hard for those players who are just, I guess, on the bottom rung of um, our playing group and um, to see potentially a, a bit of that um, eaten away at will be, will be pretty upsetting, I think. Um, so we're hoping to do all we can to make sure that we come out the other side in the best shape possible. We want to be giving back to our members as much as possible and giving them some netball content, even though we're not currently playing and then um, looking after those um, players who might have family they're separated from and just trying to band together as much as possible during what is, um, a pretty difficult time. Just speaking so well, we're so incredibly lucky in netball to have so many great spokespeople. We've spoken to Marnie Fechner and, and now you're expressing the views of the players so, so well. But I do want to change gears. We've we've got a few questions on Twitter and one of them was from Grows Her Own, um, which is, what does Joanna Weston do for kicks? You know, in her spare time when she's not training or playing netball or getting a university degree or working for a multinational or influencing. What have you got in your spare time, Jo? What do you do in your spare time? Well, I have a whole lot of it at the moment. So um, I've been doing a little bit of dancing around my apartment. I love baking, which is probably. Um, if there ever is another season of the Great Australian Bake Off, I'm just going to be pushing my way to the front of the crowd to be involved in that. Um, I don't know. I like trying to attempt to train my dog, Billy. And um, ooh, I don't know. I don't really have any really exciting hobbies. I mean, I get back to our walnut farm when I can just to um, get some wholesome content on my Instagram feed. Um, and also, I guess, hang out with my dad. Um, <laughs> but. Um, that pretty much summarised it. Um, at the moment, my hobbies are pretty low-key. So to get kicks, I'm just um, trying not to eat all of the snacks I've purchased. In The thing that I'm finding really challenging is doing one shopping trip um, every so often and then trying to ration it because I'm like a, I've got a cold at the end of my street, so I'm definitely a daily shopper. Um, and I'm definitely eating all of the good things in my pantry first. Please tell me, Joe, were you a panic buyer with the toilet paper or not? Definitely not. Um, I think it just, for pure chance, <laughs> I had purchased a nine pack uh, before the panic started. And um, given that it's just me in my household, I don't go through it at an overly rapid rate. You have to excuse me. I've got Billy who's whinging at me, who seems to want to be a part 
of the phone conversation. <laughs> Joe, we've all got our challenges. We're all isolating at home as much as we can and working from home and whether that's challenges with where we're doing it, who's in the background, we, we've all got them, but we really do appreciate you coming on, giving us some insights as to what's going on. Um, we definitely look forward to some more content. We'll see how that pink washes out of the hair. We definitely <laughs> want more of Billy. And I would re I've been lucky enough to see some of your dancing videos from back in the day, but I I think we need an update. I think we need some more current content on your dancing. That's a good idea, actually. I might crack out some of my old dance costumes I have just to to really jazz it up a little bit and add some excitement. <laughs> yes, maybe get the bedazzler out. I can't wait to see that one. Joe Weston, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Um, and all the best with what's to come, whatever that may be. Thanks, guys. You too. Well, there you have it, everyone. Another episode of the Inner Circle podcast. It was impromptu. It was backed by popular demand in these very trying times. And as we mentioned earlier, we really did want to uh, just have another point of contact with everyone just to make sure we're all as up to date as possible. Um, one thing, Bianca, I did just want to mention and send a shout out to Megan Anderson, who is the Australian Diamonds assistant coach whose mum, Elaine, unfortunately passed away very recently and whose family will now be absolutely impacted greatly. If anything brings it into sharp focus, it is knowing someone whose family will now only be able to have 10 people at that funeral. It is in incredibly sad. I've got no doubt Elaine had 11 siblings and, and that's just not possible. So we did just want to send a huge shout out to Megan and the rest of the family and say we are certainly thinking of her as is no doubt the rest of the netballing community. Oh, absolutely. Such hard, hard times for everyone at the moment. And, you know, please stay connected with us, but also stay connected with all the Suncorp Super Netball players they'll all be using their social media in a whole range of different ways you'll get to know them in in hopefully in more better ways than what you do on court um you'll see them on tiktok um and also for those we did mention with the money uh, when we we're talking to money around netfit netball and netball australia and what their collaboration and what they're producing the online workouts the online programs recipes all of that if you go to netfitnetball.com.au and you'll be able to register there, it costs you absolutely nothing. So why wouldn't you jump on there? And I've got to say, as a mum too, um, it is the, these things are really important when you've got the kids at home because you've got the kids at home and you are it, it's just, it can be really tough it can be really tough as a parent with children at home who aren't allowed to leave the house effectively so you know finding these ways to keep them entertained to get them active get them outside or off the screens it, it's crucially important so uh, that's another big tick uh, for the way netball australia have handled it because they were really one of the first ones who who came out in that partnership with netfit to, to provide this online forum and on online uh, availability for for uh, netballers everywhere. So well done to everyone involved in that. And uh, parents, if you've got young kids, that's another great way to, they may not be quite able to do everything that the girls are doing, but um, there's lots of ways to connect, that's for sure. So be great to chat again, as always. Um, I know all our listeners hang on right till the end so they can hear how many uh, vote, how many ratings we've got. We're up to 307 ratings. 306 of them are five star. One four star still gets us every time. I hope we don't lose a star for the technology issues that we may have. But come on, everyone, get out there, give us five stars. Um, and from Sherelle and I, we just want you all to stay healthy, stay safe, and let's keep connecting through the podcast and through other channels over the next couple of weeks and months, however long it may be. Absolutely. What a great way to do it. Thanks again, Bianca. And uh, we don't know when the next Inner Circle podcast will be back, but when it is, we'll be bringing you everything that we possibly can, lots of different insights. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.